Thanks, choir. You know, you know, as you all were singing that, I was thinking to myself, the walking in the footsteps of Jesus, that's one of the things I'm going to be doing on sabbaticals. I'm going to be in the Holy Land, and I'm going to be walking in the footsteps of Jesus. I'm going to go to Nazareth. I'm going to go to Bethlehem. Um, I'm going to go to those places where he once walked. And so I, I was thinking about that a little bit. I'm going to be doing these two things. I'm going to be in Cambodia, bicycling through Cambodia. But I'm going to ask you something. Is the presence of Christ any less in Cambodia where only one half of a percent of the people <coughs> call themselves Christian, is it any less than in Nazareth? One of the big no-nos when it comes to the Abrahamic phase, and that's Judaism, uh, uh, Christianity, and Islam, is this, uh, this word, it's a, it's a word called syncretism. And if you don't know that word, syncretism is this concern of letting religious beliefs or practices from another religion come in and infect your religion. It, it was a big concern. If you, read, if you read in the Bible, if you read in the Kings, there's this, this line that you're going to see again and again. It says, do not let yourself be corrupted by the detestable practices of the, the Baals or whoever the religion that they were talking about at that point was. There's a concern that people have about their religious purity, their orthodoxy. We have that, that, that scripture that gets brought up all the time that there is no other way through the Father except through me, through Jesus. So what is he saying with that? What does that mean? Nations like this one that have championed religious freedom. And I believe in religious freedom. I do. But we've always been a kind of okay with it so long as Christianity is dominant. Now, there's a new king in the United Kingdom. And the new king is considering taking a step back from the role as the head of the Church of England. A role that's been there since... Well, what, the 1500s? And Christianity in this nation is on track right now to be a minority religion in just the next few years. There will be more people in this country who are not Christian than are. That's a huge, huge shift. And we know this. We know this from what's happened in KCK. Religious, anti-religious crimes are on the rise in this country. And there's a lot of people who hold religion responsible for the divisions in our world. They hear, you can't go a week without hearing about the rise of white Christian nationalism. This is the, the state of the world in 2023. And as a follower of Jesus, who is passionately committed to living in his way, how do you live with all this? I'm serious, how do, you, how do you live with all this? This is, this is the question. Now, there's a lot of people who have stopped calling themselves Christian. They don't want to be church people. They don't want to be, they want to be associated with religious, Christian, nationalists, or fundamentalists, or they, they just want to step away from all of this. And so sometimes people are saying, well, I'm not a Christian anymore, but I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. They, they see that as a, as a difference. And there's a lot of people who have just decided that all religion, all of it, is toxic. And they've even kind of relabeled how they talk about God. They, they don't want to say God. So, like, if you see it on TV, they'll talk about how the universe, 
They're comfortable with that word, but not God. And then I'm about to get on a plane in a matter of hours, and I will tell you, what, you want, okay, if you're a minister and you get on a plane and somebody asks you what you do, one or two things is gonna happen. They're either gonna talk your ear off for the next, the next two hours, or they're not gonna say another word to you. <laughs> And so a lot of times people ask me what I do. I, I, I even have trouble responding because I'm like, um, if you say you're a minister, there are a lot of people who have no idea what that is. And if I say I'm a Christian minister, they're like, okay, that's nice. Anyway, it all comes down to this. Religion right now is messy, very messy. But it's not the first time it's been like this. I want to tell you the story of Epiphany. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen a star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went. And look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chest and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. Now you've heard this, it's, you know, it's part of the Christmas story. You've heard, you probably heard this story. It's, it's messy though. It's really messy. It's probably messier than you probably know. Now it's actually the story that normally this is the Sunday we tell that story because this is the Sunday after Epiphany. Now, so Jerusalem, which is the center of Judaism, Jerusalem had been conquered by the Roman Empire. So the Romans conquered it, but the Romans had a law that you had to worship the emperor. And Jews made it real clear they weren't going to do that. They would rather go into civil war and die than to worship the emperor because the emperor was a human being and they weren't going to do it. So the Romans were like, well, you know what? We're going to give you a pass. So they voted on it. Their legislature came together, voted to give Jews a pass. They did not have to worship the emperor. So the whole money exchange, when they went into the temple, they would exchange their money, which had the emperor's picture on it, and it said, son of God on it. They would exchange it for temple currency to go into the temple. They made a bunch of different practices at that time. Well, then things got complicated with Christians because were Christians 
Jews or not? Jesus was a Jew. And so the Romans didn't know what to do with Christians. So it was messy. And then, you may not know this, but there's another empire that's right to the east, the east of the Roman Empire. It's the Parthian Empire. Now, a lot of people don't know this. Any of you read Julius Shakespeare back in high school? Yeah, okay. Remember Crossus in the first triumvirate? He's killed in battle with the Parthian Empire. So he goes over and he is fighting a battle against the Parthians and dies. So the Rome and the Parthians, they've kind of come to an uneasy truce about the time of Jesus, but it's uneasy. So the Jews, and the Jews really, one of the Jews, their problem with the Parthians is the Parthian religion, which sometimes a part of it is Zoroastrianism, which is still around today, that involves some things that the Jews find detestable practices. They read the stars. That's prohibited. Their practices are not Jewish practices. And then the Roman Empire is trying to coerce these Parthians to betray the location of Jesus. It's messy, very messy. The Magi, they weren't kings, but they were coming from the Parthian Empire into the Roman Empire to the Jewish, to honor a Jewish king who was going to stand in opposition to the Roman king. So you see how the pieces are all moving here. But these Magi, they weren't kings themselves. They were stars. They were priests. They were probably Zoroastrian priests who were coming because they had seen something in the stars. God had communicated something to the Zoroastrian priests through the stars, which told them to go look for a baby born in Bethlehem. Now that's all a problem. That's, that's a foul, as it were. Because looking to the stars, astrology, is a prohibited practice in Jesus' religion. But that's how these Magoi, these Magi, that's how they practiced their religion. They sought their truth in the stars. So think about this. The Gospel of Matthew starts with a story shortly after Jesus born where God uses the foreign priests of a foreign religion to come and celebrate Jesus, who was born for all people. Even though the scriptures themselves called foul, prohibited astrology, God reached out to the Magi in a language that they would understand. Stars. To follow a star to Bethlehem would have been scandalous to the Jews. It would have violated religious law. But that's what God does sometimes. God reaches people whatever way, whatever language works. Even though these Magi really didn't know who this child was exactly, they didn't know the conflict that was going to come between Judaism and, and, and the Roman Empire, what they knew was they had seen a revelation of God <clears throat> And they knew it. They had an epiphany. God, God transcends. God is bigger than religion. 
And God, I believe, God is as just or more present in Cambodia as in Jerusalem. God is everywhere and in everyone. And this is Epiphany Sunday. It's the day that we remember that the story of Jesus begins, begins inclusively, not just out of one religion. It reminds us that God is larger than all of our religions. And yet, within each religion, within what you believe, your experience, there is wisdom and there's worth. For the future of our world, we need to reclaim this inclusivity. To know that there is a love that goes beyond boundaries, beyond borders. <clears throat> because when we start living into that truth, when we start realizing that we have to do this, and this is actually the way that Jesus wanted us to live from his birth, when we start realizing that that could be the truth that saves us in this new millennium. I am hoping to experience a little bit of that truth on my pilgrimages ahead in Cambodia and the following in the footsteps of Jesus. Because I know the Holy Spirit is in everyone. I felt it. I am looking for a way that transcends, a way of peace and a truth that saves. That's what I'm going to go look for. I'll tell you what I find. Will you pray with me? God, no religion owns you. No nation either. You are beyond time and space, and, and yet you care. You experienced fragility, and you know what it is to love, that passion. You get us. You know us. You became one of us. Help each of us discover that living spirit inside of us. Get in touch with it. And then let us share a way and a truth that allows us to live in peace. And let the people of this church community, the people who hear this today, let them extend that influence throughout the world. Amen.